Live from the IMF headquarters, this is Drilled Trains of Thought. Timothy. Hello, Nicholas. Is that really you? It is. Oh, oh, wow. You, uh, it sounded like you, but you looked really weird. Like you had a beard for some reason. Oh, you got to mess with this tech stuff here, Tim. It is pretty cool things. Okay. Yeah. They have some sort of mask making machine over mm-hmm. there. And wow, like this is, yeah, high tech security screens. And I hope they don't find out that we're here. No, we need to um, stay undercover. We probably need to up- update our uh, key cards. Somehow. I hope our podcast doesn't self-destruct after we finish it. Yeah, that would be bad because yes. uh, I need to edit the thing. Yes. So <laughs> it'd be bad if my laptop blew up. I mean, I know it's old, but still. Yes, not not what we want. <laughs> not, not what we're ready for right now. So how is May, Tim? Well, we are midway through May as we record this, and it's going okay so far. Actually, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast. Not Probably not, actually, because I don't think think it was official yet but actually before we get into that i'll do some personal life in a minute but i just want to welcome our listeners to derail trains of thoughts a premier podcast on storytelling for the creator and the consumer we uh, talk about stories here and my name is timothy deal my name is nick hayden and as for my personal life, well, let's see, about a month ago now, I've been been into this new job as a digital evidence specialist, which sounds very official, but it's for a local prosecutor's office uh, over in Noble County, Indiana. Sounds quite interesting. It's very different from what, I, you know, I had been a legal assistant for the last four years, but now I'm kind of going back to some of my media roots, basically helping deal with, help manage body cam footage camera footage, which is becoming more and more of a thing, you know, and dealing with police and criminals and trials and all that stuff. So, yeah, helping organize that and sometimes edit out the things that are admissible in court. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of a new thing, a strange mix of I was oddly qualified for it, given I had had some legal experience and some media experience. There might be something wrong here in this headquarters that you could use. Possibly, or, or but someone else you know could you? <laughs> I'm afraid if I touch one of these keyboards, like my fingerprints aren't going to register on it or something. That's true. So you never know. But uh, how about you, Nick? You've had a job change recently. Oh yes. So I have uh, stopped working for Canva Power Sports, and I'm just fully doing the teaching thing now. Almost done with the first year. Yeah. So uh, no more no more bookkeeping. No more bookkeeping. Nope. Trying to see what else there is now. So well, good luck with the. You know, you're trying to get teaching certification, right? Yep, pretty pretty close to this month. I've been kind of hammering out all the last details of all my coursework and getting pretty close to finishing it up. So that's good. Yeah, so pretty wild. Big life changes for both of us. Yes, <laughs> but the podcast remains. The podcast remains. It is our. It is our our anchor. It well, is inevitable. Along with our wives, I suppose. Oh, they did that too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, love you, honey. Um, <laughs> So, I guess with that wonderful transition, it is time for Story School. Tim, this was your idea. It seems to be whenever one of us hosts, the other one has the idea. (laughs) This happened a lot. So, your idea is, talk about, is genre a crutch? So a couple of things. Explain to me your question. 
Okay, well, I don't remember exactly when or how this idea came up, but I guess because I, I was thinking sometime about how, well, first off, we should define genre, I, I guess. Genre stories are basically any type that kind of fit within a genre. Like, and, and they usually have some sort of mold or elements that are common to everything inside that genre. Right. You know, spy movies or stories, but. Yeah, movies, books. I mean, when we talk about genre, well, on the podcast, we talk a lot about speculative fiction. We have a lot of science fiction, fantasy stuff. Right, right. But honestly, a lot of genres fit in there. You mentioned spy, uh, mysteries would fit into this. The whole old westerns. Westerns, pirates. 80s action movies. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Noir. Noir, yeah, yeah. Even... um, you could say like romantic comedies. That, though that would no, there certainly beats that most of them hit Hallmark movies. Yeah, <laughs> there you go, there you go. So yeah, that's kind of what we mean by genre. And you'd be like, well, doesn't all stories fall within a genre? Well, yes and no. There, there's kind of this attitude, I guess, among some of the elites of the critics who like the the dramas that kind of like throw aside the conventions of genre. Or, you know, really aren't concerned about that at all, but they're really more about concerned about, like, people, like mm-hmm. the focus of, I mean, the nuts and bolts of characters and motivation and, and you know, real human drama kind of stuff. And the thing is, a lot of genre stories have to have these elements, too, to really connect with audiences. You need, a dra- you need drama of some, some real personal stakes to make a... Any story work, I think. Yeah. Yeah. For example, an example I gave you is I know when they were trying to think about doing a third Indiana Jones movie, Mm -hmm. uh, Steven Spielberg was a little on the fence about whether he would do it. And then I think he he decided he would he was interested in it, but primarily if they got to do it, tell a story about Indiana Jones and his father. And so you had this family connection to there that's a new dimension to the characters. So the family drama was what drew him to it. Mm -hmm. And then the question is well, if that's the interesting thing, why follow all the genre conventions? Yeah, yeah. Is it just, uh, why does genre need this in order to really thrive? J.J. So Abrams does this sort of thing a lot, too. We yeah. were just talking earlier about how when he directed the third Mission Impossible movie, he gave the Tom Cruise character a wife. So yeah. he had this family connection. Or um, in um, this movie, they don't talk about it a whole lot anymore, Super 8. Oh, uh, I like Super 8. Yeah. Which is a fun kids discovering aliens movie, but also has this undercurrent of dealing with the loss of a mom. Mm-hmm. So you have to have these deeper human elements to it. So it got to me wondering, well, is genre then a crutch? Should we? Is it a more pure art to just go for the human connection and not have to like in put, put cert- weird dressing and just get people to watch it. Right. Things to get people excited because like, Hey, there's explosions or there's a sappy romance mm-hmm. or, uh, there's cool special effects. I feel like that's kind of the way some of the elite would look at it. And there might be something to that because I mean, we, if you look at a lot of movies that people considered like all time greats, yeah, like yeah. say Citizen Kane. Yeah, I was just going to say that one. It's basically just the drama of this guy. Yeah, it's a deep character study into who was uh, who was Kane. I'm yeah. trying to think of what his first name was, but it's been too long. Citizen. <laughs> I don't think it was Citizen. <laughs> <laughs> Call him City for short. City Kane. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ignore that. <laughs> Anyways, so let's start with the. I guess the presupposition, let's argue the side that genre is a crutch. Okay. So drama, human drama, human connection, we say is important. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. I don't, I don't think that we can really argue that. <laughs> no. Like, it'd be really hard to have, even if it's not humans, you say you're... Anthrop- Brave low toaster. <laughs> Anthropomorphic objects or yeah. animals or computers. I mean, the Pixar lamp. 
the story is about a father and a son. Yeah. I mean, it's not a story worth watching just because the lambs are jumping around unless there's also this human connection between two lambs. I mean, even if you are going with a very animal-centric story like, say, Watership Down, where it was a little hard to identify with the rabbits at first because they were so rabbitish. Eventually, they do. You can't have that story without some they, sort of connection, some sort of human motivations behind it. Because the okay, it's hard to say the reason, but one of the reasons we read stories, experience stories, is because it resonates with what it means to be human. Whether it's fear, or loss, or joy, or struggle, or relationships, and that's in some ways the heart of why we even care. We don't read stories about data. <laughs> you know, unless uh-huh. you mean data, the robot from Star Trek. Right, right. Um, Who so, is still, even if, though he's a, he's a robot, he's still learning how to be human. Well, the whole thing with Spock is that he has emotions, and that's the... The, the tension. The tension. Mm-hmm. So, what does genre add to that? Let's take the negatives. Let's take, look, it doesn't actually add that much. Sometimes I think genre can be, you know, the points of you have to do this and this and this, like all mysteries need red herrings or mm-hmm. all action movies need as many explosions as you can manage and uh-huh. Chuck Norris, um, <laughs> is that it can be a lazy way of writing. Mm-hmm. Basically, you fall into formulas and your characters could be very thin because you're relying much more on the plot. And we've all seen movies like that that should have been way better, but you didn't care. Mm-hmm. That you're just like, okay, yeah, things are exploding. There's an evil bad guy. The Earth's in peril, but meh. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like we've said this before, but always struggle to think of examples, probably because those kinds of movies are so forgettable. You don't think about it. Yeah, you're just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think then, yeah, the real danger of genre is that you don't do the work because you think the dressing will do the work for you. And in some ways it becomes the arts entertainment equivalent of junk food yeah like if there's not an actual human lesson to be learned if it's just seeing characters jump through hoops video games get this complaint fairly or unfairly at times because Mm -hmm. it's less about meaningful stories sometimes and more just shoot up all the bad guys or beat up the other character or what have you and i suppose some of those stories like junk food might be slightly entertaining just for the pure adrenaline sure it's just the escape. The escape. And again, that is another reason we watch stories is escape. Mm-hmm. But I don't think stories would last very long. And none of the classic ones do if there's not more to it. I mean, all your classic novels are basically just people talking to each other. <laughs> I mean, largely. Yeah, that's true. And anytime you walk into a bookstore, it's always kind of daunting to realize how many books, particularly like a used bookstore. Yeah how many books have been written over the years that have been just been completely forgotten about mm-hmm. maybe because they were meaningful at a time, but they didn't last for whatever reason. I mean, I guess that's a whole discussion about timelessness that is kind of tangential, but, but still there has, the classics are a classic because it, it usually, because they touch into some deep human thing. Ideas. Yeah. Where, where there's a human doubt or a human emotion or a human struggle. And if your genre conventions are kind of overwhelming those things, then, yeah, it's not going to be as uh, helpful of a, of a read or watch and probably not as memorable long term. But, Tim, here's a problem. There is so much genre out there. So why is that? Because I think you and I would both agree that genre is not necessarily a crutch. Yeah, not necessarily. So we, we've been taking kind of the devil's advocate yeah. or the elite's advocate uh, approach here because, like, it's a worthwhile question. Another example I was thinking of recently, 
there's a TV show out there called This Is Us, which I yes. know a lot of people it's a, like. My wife, lo- it's a, and I've watched some of it. Like, it's an absurdly well-written show. And it seems, for, okay, I didn't know that you had watched any of it. Yeah, it my seems, wife has watched most of it. Correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like it is mostly a character drama. Would you yes, s- it's just, people, I mean, it veers into soap opera. Okay. But it is basically just a drama. Well, it occurred to me, like, I've heard of it, but I haven't had a whole lot of motivation to watch it for myself. And then it occurred to me while we've been going through Lost and the Weekly Hijack, Lost is essentially a character drama dressed with time uh, travel shenanigans, time travel <laughs> shenanigans, mysterious island conspiracies, all this yeah. kind of stuff. So it may not be a bad thing to have that thing that entices you into a character drama. <laughs> Here's the thing with the character drama too, and and the the genre of genre. In some ways, it is more can be a more true story in the sense that you're letting the characters do what they need versus trying to follow beats. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes the beats of a story can force characters not to be as true or as human as they need to be. Okay. To tell a more, um, I guess, full picture of the world. You know, mm-hmm. you might get a more of a one-side picture of you. The genre can force that sometimes because, like... Something has happened in Act Two, sure, sort of thing. Sure, that's a fair point. And you know, it just occurred to me that I wonder if the stage is actually a better place in some ways for character drama because that enticement that other genre things may have, um, and obviously even plays have fallen genres. Yeah, mysteries, comedies, musicals, musicals, exactly. But other things like say, who's who's the um, All My Sons guy? Uh, oh. Uh- Drat and the Crucible and and Death of a Salesman. Yeah, who writes the most horrible, depressing tragedies? <laughs> yeah, what which, is it? Which, yeah. yeah, Arthur Miller. You thank you. <laughs> I mean, I guess tragedy. I guess that's you could say that's the genre. But I mean, those also seem to me very much character studies. Yeah, and there's something there's something deep about those. And here's the thing: a well done character study. Once you get someone watching it, most people enjoy if it's done well and powerful. I mean, you know, say. It's still kind of a historical, but like Lincoln by Spielberg, you know. Oh, sure. It's just people talking mainly for two hours. Uh-huh. You know, there's not really action scenes. You know, Lincoln doesn't kill vampires or anything. Uh-huh. Not in that one. <laughs> here's here's a question, though, then. So is these sorts of character studies like a tragedy? Is that actually a genre in and of itself? Like, I mean, I guess the, the trick is... Okay, with Arthur Miller, I'm sure someone has analyzed and what, probably is, the common beats. They, they probably have a, like, you know, he was inspired by Greek tragedy. I'm guessing. I don't know. Hmm. Was inspired by Greek tragedies and took some of the beats that made him work so well and made him modern. So I guess here's the, here's the, and this is where we start saying, what is this genre? I mean, is genre, you're using shared beats to tell a story, or the fact that you're telling a story where these beats help you tell it? Oh, and the second would be the best way to use it. Uh-huh. Where, 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 the, where the genre heightens what you're trying to tell versus is dressing for what you're trying to tell. Right, right. And I think that is, we uh, kind of postponed about talking about the good things about genre for a little bit. But coming back around to it, I think there are things that genre can bring out that you can't do just by character study alone. For instance, we both read and uh, I think enjoyed um, The Book of Strange New Things. Oh, uh-huh. Sci-fi book. is is deeply character study. Oh, that's true. It takes but, place on a distant planet. But, like, you could not tell that story and analyze the sort of things you want to analyze about human relationships without it being science fiction. That's true. 
There's a lot of science fiction that's that's like that. Science fiction, especially, I think, is like that. It's the basically the human is a character study plus technology that makes things stand out or recede or let you interact differently. Yeah, it lets you. Uh, science fiction is is particularly good about delving into ideas of culture and technology and kind of showing a mirror to ourselves like this is what we might become or this is who we are like we we had our discussion about aliens that Mm -hmm. talked about all the different ways aliens can be portrayed and some one of the ways is just as kind of a mirror image of humanity like here is a human characteristic done up to an nth degree and made a whole race about (laughs) yep or if it's if it's a science fiction about culture i still remember i think it's gattaca Oh, with with the genetic engineering, yes. yeah, Gattaca's interesting. Movie. I I always think it's been years since I saw that. I think I saw it in college, and I still always think of that movie whenever I'm reading or thinking about something that's about genetics yep. and and uh, what's it, eugenics and that yep. kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it's it's a great medium for exploration, and um, same with fantasy. Mm-hmm. Fantasy is interesting because fantasy tends to, not always. I mean, they've used fantasy in a million ways. My perception of it is, at least my, what I've read, it tends to be analyzed as character, but it also is almost more about world and society in a different way. I mean, like Tolkien, for instance, just we talk about Tolkien all the time. Sure. It's like, it almost talks more about meta stuff more than material things. Yeah, more, there's a word I'm looking for, almost philosophical, although science fiction can touch on philosophical too. Oh, yeah, certainly. But Sanslaw Lem. But in the... Um, Fantasy can touch on it in a more lateral thinking kind of way, mm-hmm. in a more poetic sense. Fantasy is really good at bringing out the wonder. And, and again, there's some sci-fi that can bring out wonder yeah. too, but it's it's different. It, it touches on like the obscure, not, not the no, obscure is not like, the word almost, I'm looking I, for. I, this is a little more than me, but almost the spiritual. Spiritual is a good way to put it. The um, and, and the wonder, you know, you got, you got your, your creatures, your monsters, your, uh-huh. again, science fiction, again, they overlap in a lot of places. Sure. But, but but there's a more, I would say there's sometimes a more primal sense in fantasy, or mm-hmm. at least a more childlike sense. I mean, not that it's all fairy tales yeah. and, and in the Disney sense of fairy tales, but like I'm having a hard time putting, like science fiction tends to be the intellectual, the cerebral, the cerebral of. kind of exploration of these ideas, where fantasy is the more. Uh, playful? Playful, I guess. I don't know. There's a word I, I can't quite... Yeah, soulful, I guess, is the closest I can come to it right now. And I suppose also both of those genres, and a lot of other genres, also over- connect with, like, say, the adventure action. Sure, sure. And again, and those are interesting, because they're not so much character studies. I mean, they can be. And you need that character stuff to... But those genres... I guess here's the thing with genre we're coming up with, just without meaning to. Genres done well in themselves heighten a communication of some particular aspect that we go to stories for. Hmm. Because there's that sort of experiential fear, danger that we love in the adventure action. Uh-huh. Which is not necessarily character. I mean, you need characters to do it. Yeah. But but it gives you that jolt of adrenaline of not just in the, in the idea of sometimes people criticize blockbusters. Martin Scorsese has criticized the, the rise of superhero movies as just being roller coaster cinema yeah. they're just blockbuster it's less of a cinematic experience and more of a just special effects extravaganza mm-hmm. but i think the people who really connect with superheroes or action movies in general it's also this like primal experience of you the, want to feel danger but the stakes but but you also need to connect with the characters in order for those stakes to feel yeah. real 
the people who connect with Marvel movies aren't just, ooh, that looks cool. But it's also like people cared very deeply about Tony Stark. Yes. Or Steve Rogers or and, and it, Wanda. Or, and they can give you a sense of hope in some ways. Especially yeah. especially the sort of adventure movies where like, can we survive the evil sort of thing? And, mm-hmm. fans, and lots of genres go along that way. Like the mystery genre, like almost heightened that sense of discovery of aha you know again you need the characters to matter right but that aha sense is almost separate in some ways and is attached to the genre yeah because it's kind of a nice self-contained feeling since you know there's a lot in our present day life that's hard for us to understand the meaning Mm -hmm. so you have this the nice thing about a mystery is is this closed box puzzle Mm -hmm. basically and the searching for answers the searching for meaning is very potent to real life. And sometimes searching for justice. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. that you get, and I've heard like theologians sometimes they, their favorite genre is mystery because that's still where it's right and wrong exist. That's true. There's not a lot of like ambiguity. So, I mean, you can make it, but it's, it shows up less in mysteries. Yeah, it'd be, I'm sure there's some, well, I guess in, in Knives Out, you've got like a whole house full of people that just turns out are terrible people. Terrible people. <laughs> but at the end, you have a strong opinions about what should and should not happen to them. Yeah, that's true. And it might be different for each person exactly how much you want to punish certain people. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are more culpable, guilty of things than yeah. others in that case. But and, the idea of guilt. And so I guess I had never thought about it in these terms, the fact that genre really is a way of writers grabbing the drama of the character and heightening some almost super character aspect along with it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. Because we tend to think of these things as being like, so, okay, so you have to have the characters get it. In. It's almost like the characters are an ingredient so you can have the fun story that you yeah. actually want to tell. But I really like the idea of trying to fuse the the, the two ingredients together. Yeah. I mean, they, it's not just that they're like these two separate things that create a whole. It's like, no, if you're telling a story really well, it is about the characters learning something, but using the the aspects of the genre to push them along into that. Well, I mean, you mentioned Lost, that at its heart with all the insanity is basically a character. I mean, it really is. I mean, mm-hmm. the writers are very good about making the, the characters matter, and all the craziness that happens doesn't matter unless the characters react to it, learn something, challenge. Because we have all this fantasy stuff with time or destiny and whatever, yeah, we can talk about big ideas like fantasy does, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter unless Jack wrestles with it. Yeah, yeah. And that we care about Jack. Well, and it is interesting since... And the weekly hijack, we're just starting season five, but in the recording, we've already finished it. Yeah. We're already gotten into season six. And it is going to be interesting to see the differences. Season five is very plot heavy, mm-hmm. more so probably than any other season of Lost, I would say. But then six, it certainly has an ongoing plot. And it's like basically like this is what the show has been secretly about this whole time, you know, on the Island Mysteries. Here's the closest to the explanations of... You're going to get. You're going to get. <laughs> but then it's paired with this, like, the flashes and that are just very purely character-focused. Yes. And so Lost has, has this really interesting mix of juggling plot and character in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Because, like I said, it is, a, it is a character show, but it's known as a mystery show. Yeah. Which is an interesting balancing act to watch the creators wrestle with. And, and I think all your greatest genre examples are based in deep characters. Hmm. I don't know if you can pick a, you know, great mysteries or great science fiction that doesn't, well, there are great science fiction where the characters don't matter that much, where it's just idea. Well, that's true. If it's it's purely idea. Although it's, it's interesting to me. I think a lot of times 
the success of a movie for an audience viewer or a story for an audience member is how much they buy into those characters. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like lesser experienced, and I mean that in the best way possible, audience people, they're able to attach to something that maybe a movie critic or TV critic doesn't. Mm -hmm. For example, early Star Wars, there were some critics that just thought it was kind of stale by the numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't really care about the characters. It's like, okay, it's a farm boy and a princess in this dress and evil villain, who cares? Whereas a lot of other people like, this is amazing. Look at all the stuff that they're doing. I've been filled with wonder and care about these characters. Yeah, exactly. People, People cared about Luke and Han and Leia, whereas someone who just who only saw them as... Another version of a genre trope. Yeah, they couldn't identify with it as much. And I guess that's the whole thing with genre in general sometimes, is that like there are shows and, and books that might be mediocre or above average, but if you connect with the character, it doesn't matter how mm-hmm. cheesy it is, how by the numbers it is in some ways. In some ways, the by the numbers is in some ways re- reassuring for certain people. For certain time, you know, I just want to see my character do the same thing mm-hmm. over and over again. Yep. And as writers, you might be like, well, that's late, not lazy, but it's like you could do so much more. <laughs> but maybe that's not the the meaning of that. Show. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I do find it fascinating for about every cult classic that's out there. And it could be a movie that most people would admit is not a great movie, but there's going to be some people out there who saw it at a young enough age that they're like, wow, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Like, because they, they saw something new and cool and in those characters in that situation that a lot of other people's like, but it's really not that good. And they're yeah. like, well, I don't care. Just let me enjoy it. Well, so when you watch genre, people can be like, oh man, that's cool. Does anyone do that to something that is not a genre until they become like literary? Wait, say that again? Like, little kids can watch a genre thing say, that's cool, uh-huh. and it become cult classic. I don't know that anyone young watches a liter- strictly literary character drama and be like, that's cool. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not saying bad things, because I, I read all kinds of stuff. So sure, I don't ha- sure. I have no, no, you know, I'm not knocking on anything, because I read Moby Dick and I'll read Star Wars novels, so uh-huh. there you go. But, um, <laughs> but I wonder if there is something more universal in genre than just character dramas. I don't know. Hmm. Universal might not be the right word. More approachable, more... Um, Maybe, or more... Uh, elementary. <laughs> elementary, simple. Again, simple, I don't... It, it could be taken both ways. Right, It could be right. taken simple as in, like, everyone gets or simple, like, this is dumb. we won't move past this. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think you can have... It's kind of a double-edged sword, but mm-hmm. I don't know that because it can be one way that it's also bad on the other way. Mm-hmm. I feel like any story can could be classified within a genre, but have just a shade of genre stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about stage plays earlier. Of course, I, my mind went to an ideal husband. Yeah, which is nominally a comedy sorts, but it's but there's parts of it that aren't really that funny at yeah. all. And because nominally comedy, because it is Oscar Wilde, yeah. and there's a lot of clever wits and things like that, and there's some funny situations, but then there's also some real. I guess it's more of a dramedy. I yeah. guess that would be the genre it more falls under. But so it has these very slight shades of it. And I, I don't know. It's it's those talky kind of stories. Yeah, there might be some that some kids, even though they don't understand, they're fascinated by the costumes yeah, or, or the true. setting or something. Well, and we keep saying acting like there's something without a genre, but I don't know if that's actually 
Is there anything that's actually with? I mean, there probably is, but in so many ways, genre is just our way of classifying things. Yeah, I mean, even there's even a lot of famous Oscar winners like the Godfather movies, but they're those are gangster. Yeah, I mean, movies. we just um, we just. Genre is just our way of saying this. these movies are like each other. Yeah. And these movies are like each other. And I guess what we're saying is that they're like each other at the best for a reason. Mm-hmm. And they're like each other for the worst just because. <laughs> I mean, just because, you you know. Sure, sure. Like, because that's what you've always done. Which yeah. I think we've said before, like, you should never, your story should never include something because all the other stories of a similar type do. Yeah. It should be what that story needs to be. But what does that mean? Well, maybe it means... Where is your story trying to lead your characters and your, along with that, your audience? So I think the question is not for the consumer and the creator, is not, is genre a crutch, but how does this genre aid the story? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we say crutch like you're hobbling wrong, but maybe it's like, helps it walk better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, may, it lifts it to, uh, to new heights. Because, I mean, honestly... Star Wars set in any place other than outer space would not be Star Wars. No, and it, it would lose something. Uh-huh. And I think if you lose, genre should let you gain something mm. and not just fill in the blanks. Yeah. And I think for creators, that's a great thing. I mean, I think our friend Nathan with um, Monster Island Film Vault mm-hmm. would argue that there are many of these kaiju movies that is a genre most people would be like, they're just smashing miniatures and making costumes. Uh-huh. That at least at its very best... Says a lot is our movie that you couldn't do without Godzilla or fill in the fill in the blank. Yeah. yeah, sure. So yeah, hopefully there's some food for thought for you all about how. Yeah, I, th- I think we crossed some interesting ground here or covered some interesting ground here. I didn't expect. I wasn't. No, I wasn't expecting to either. So that was cool. Uh, with that, um, that's the end of story school, and we will go to soundtrack. So today from Soundtrack, there there's over a bazillion uh, songs on Overclocked Remix. And by bazillion, I mean like 4,000 plus. I'm like, I need to find one that's like very good genre. And it's like... It's like you know, it's, <laughs> that's a very broad term. Yeah, it's very broad term. And, there's, and it's very good about mixing them. Like, that's yes. what's great about it. And what I love about it, or just destroying genre altogether and be like, here's a maze dude piece. Um, <laughs> Who has created a lot of genres by himself. Like, uh, what, Gypsy Jazz, Bell... I don't know. There was some weird... Anyways doesn't matter but very recently like just a couple days ago as of this recording came out this hard knuckle swing which is kind of a big band remix of hard man from Mega Man 3 by george r powell and like this sounds great it's quite entertaining and kind of fits that like we took a song that's very kind of chip tuney originally made it into this nice swinging piece so enjoy
want you to sit back and relax. Close your eyes. Take in a deep, deep breath in and out. One and two. Take all that stress, all the problems in your life. Breathe it in and exhale. And go on a journey with me on my podcast, The Peaceful Disquiet Podcast. Here we escape from the troubles of everyday life. Instead, we find that happy place that we all are in deep need of. Of course, there's things on that journey as well, things we all have to deal with. But don't worry, as long as you don't think about the black tendrils that are slowly crawling up your back, they can't hurt you. They can't touch you. As long as you don't think about them, stop thinking about them. Stop. Don't let them or they'll get you. And welcome back. Hello, folks. I enjoyed that song. That was a fun soundtrack, Nick. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Good, fine. And uh, we've uh, we've had some really interesting sponsors lately. Yes, we have. I'm, I'm enjoying... We're rolling the money over here, actually, more than we were any other year. I we got uh, like two quarters of bur- rub between us. Two quarters? Two quarters, yeah. Wow. Oh, I spent the rest of it on my new car, but... Wait, what? What new car? Never mind. Okay, moving on to... Um, We're going to have to talk about this after the podcast. <laughs> listener next. feedback, everyone. Listener feedback. <laughs> listener feedback. So we have a comment to a question you had asked, actually, directly to one of our listeners. Directly to a listener, Yes. Do you remember what we talked about back in January? Something about, oh, we talked about books for one, because that's our annual book thing. Yes, but there was something, what was it about? Oh, yeah, it was about remembering things. Oh, that. No, I did not remember that. Okay. (laughs) Very appropriate. But we were talking about like when you forget a story that you've read. Which happens all the time. Which happens all the time. And my question to a friend of mine, uh, Miss Catherine Hobbs, She's, I'm the only person who calls her, Catherine is her full name, Yeah. but uh, I found out in high school it annoyed her, so I've called her Catherine ever since. Very nice. Yeah, it's kind of one of those friendships. But I had asked her, because she is a big book collector. Yeah, she, she reads has, like nonstop. She has a yeah. ton of them all throughout her house. So I asked, I asked her on the podcast, how do you sort all that? But she actually wrote us back a long letter regarding this because uh, she was very interested in that. Op- in that and, and she has a very detailed way of doing it. In that discussion, she was very interested in that discussion. So I'm not going to read the whole letter, but I, this part I thought was uh, particularly interesting. She said, I believe in the educator Charlotte Mason's philosophies on education, one of which is, quote, we only know what we can tell, end quote. Interestingly, that philosophy goes on to say that what we tell, we retain. Recent research suggests that we retain what we tell, even if it doesn't align with truth. We submit as a fact in our own memories the way we told a story rather than what really happened. If we deviate slightly from truth, we overwrite the truth with our version. Because of these general principles, there's quite a lot more depth to them, as I'm sure you can imagine. When my kids read something or I read something aloud to them, we go through the process known as narration. They tell it back. 
this practice helps them to retain more than they, what they would otherwise. Personally, I keep a commonplace journal. I pull important concepts or quotations, funny, wise, profound, whatever, from what I read and copy them down into a notebook. Recently, I began writing a brief overview of the noble themes of the book I've recently finished before I copy the quotations into my book because I want to retain those themes for the long term. It's a relaxing process and helps me engage more deeply with what I've read. A simpler method for doing this would be simply to tell a friend about the book or movie, whatever else you wanted to retain, once you finished. The thing that can be difficult about that method is that it is natural for us to begin to mix our impressions and thoughts in with the author's words. We're less likely to do that when we are writing for the purpose of outlining the themes. Um, which that sounds like a very involved yeah. way of, of handling but it. But a great way, yeah, if you want to remember this stuff, retelling it, writing it, etc. I mean... Honestly, I probably remember the stuff we've hijacked better than other things because. <laughs> and I know a lot of my memory of certain movies I've go to see. I remember movies I go see a lot more vividly a lot of times, particularly if I'm talking about it with someone afterwards. Right, like fact, yep. comparing notes, mm-hmm. like well, what do you think this happened? What's going to happen in the next Star yep. Wars movie or the next Marvel or whatever? So yeah, I certainly get that, and it also like kind of goes back to how you learn when you're studying a book in school. Yep. The one thing I guess I would maybe take a slight difference in tack with that uh, philosopher, what did she say her name was? The Charlotte Mason's thing about we only know what we can tell. I think that's true in a sense. I think it's also true in a sense that we sometimes know more than we can tell. Like when you're trying to remember something that you don't know the details of, but you know that like this is kind of how it happened or think that you can't quite put into words yeah yeah that you know something instinctively mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I feel like there's there's room for things to kind of sink deep in without really be able to bring it put it into words like grokking it <laughs> grokking I it to, to use the one, words yeah on your bingo guys grok you mark off I don't think that was originally on our bingo cards. It, it is now. It probably is. We've been using Grok more and more often The interesting lately. thing about this feedback, too, it, it, it just connects some to our discussions like of story and community. Oh, that, yeah. You know, stories really exist best in relationship with other people. At least they, they, they exist longer, I guess, in our brains. Yeah. And with community with other people. Yeah, which, I, I thought it was an interesting connection there. Yeah, it is a nice connection. I, I like that idea. She goes on to talk a little bit more about addressing my original question about how she keeps track of, of it, everything. And she uses a variety of apps to do this. One is called CLZ, which is basically helps you catalog books. And I actually looked this one up because the librarian in me was super intrigued by the idea. I think it is a subscription-based thing. I mean, if you have a, a big enough collections, it seems like it'd be especially the techie sort of person, like your brother, uh, would love this sort of thing. And I think there's like one for, you could use it for books, for if you have an extensive DVD or or music collection. Basically, not only does it like keep a database basically of all your books, you can also keep track if you've loaned your books to someone or which room it is, where it is going to be at. So yeah, that, that's pretty neat. She also uses Goodreads to keep a list yep. of books that she wants to read and another app called Bookly to uh, see how, how far you actually are in it. I'll go ahead and read this description because otherwise I won't do it justice. Um, the Bookly app is intended to be used while you are reading. I hit start when I open a book and then it tracks where I am, how many pages I read on average, length of time to finish a book, etc. It's really quite ridiculous, but I enjoy the data. To me, that's inspiring. It will show reading streaks, for example, and that's motivating to me to remember to sit down for a few minutes and read. To many people, I realize that sounds like an insane way to ruin the reading experience. (laughs) So I I can see both ways, both it being like encouraging and like, 
now it's no fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the minutia of reading. Yeah. So anyway, so thank you, Katie, aka Catherine, for that uh, that response. That was fun. And folks, if you, I know, I've heard this many a time that like there was something they really enjoyed listening to our conversation about something and then they just forgot to, to send us. Oh, didn't remember. Didn't that, remember, okay. no, to, to write out their, their thoughts that you may have had thoughts just as lengthy. But so uh, we still want to hear it. Hopefully you remember maybe you can always remember you can always hit that pause button. Okay, well maybe not if you're driving. That's true. But Pull we hope- over, hit pause, write it, and then get going. Get yeah. <laughs> you can leave us a comment on our website, or uh, in this case, she actually messaged us through our Facebook webpage. So we'll give you that info. Remind you again at the end of this episode. One other shout out I'll give to my dear wife, Janelle. I was looking through our website and re- was reminded that she had left a comment way back in December, no, November. Goodness. Sorry, honey. It's been a while. I don't think we ever brought this up, but we talked about limitations. And she brought up that one disadvantage to having like no limits to what you can have on a computer screen is that then it becomes a little bit too easy. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, once the first CGI dragon is created, we think it's so cool. And then you make more of them and you just fill the screen with CGI. Rain of fire. (laughs) And I thought this was an interesting statement. As with other appetites, we think indulgence will heighten pleasure. It turns out that moderation heightens pleasure more effectively and sustainably. That's true. And then, you know, horror movies, if you're, uh, good ones like, you know, Alien or whatever, find out, don't show it. Yeah. It's too expensive. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also more suspenseful. It's actually better. Yeah. It's actually better to not see the uh, the violence in a lot of ways. So, yeah, she has a nice comment if you want to hunt down our November episode about limitations, episode 113. Uh, and you can read her comment along with that. So, thank you. And remember that all those comments still available at derailedtrainsofthought.blogspot.com. All right, and that is our listener feedback. And now we'll go to... It came from the interwebs. Tim, seems like whenever we do uh, It Came From The Interwebs, it's your idea. Oh, I don't know about that. Lately, you've had some interesting had, I, interweb ideas. I do enjoy yours, so no, I'm not <laughs> saying. Sure, sure. Well, and for listeners who don't recall, interwebs is where we like to feature some creativity that's out there on the internet. If the internet is full of stuff you're like, I can't believe that exists, but I can believe it exists. <laughs> Real quick, I won't show this one, but like I found that they have programmed 3D printers just that they're moving back and forth to play songs, like Harry Potter's theme and stuff like that, <laughs> which I'm not surprised about, but uh-huh. it's like, someone asked me, I'm like, well, let's look it up. Yep, yep, it, it's there. <laughs> nice. Well, what I have for today, I've got two main things, and this is not so much art that was created for the internet, but they are collections that were made possible by the internet. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't know how well this connects with our theme for the day, but that's okay. I, I, one of them I've been meaning to talk to about for a while, and the other is more recent. And actually, this first one is one my family would be familiar with. I've been kind of fascinated the last few months with this thing. Are you familiar with the website Zillow? Zillow. Sounds familiar. It's basically a real estate yes, website. Yes, I did use it briefly. Yes. Yeah, it has pictures of houses. Yes. And they're up. Well, there's this Instagram account called Zillow Gone Wild. Okay. Which basically collects 
really interesting listings on Zillow. And you get to see some of the unusual things people do with their houses. Okay, so we got Zillow gone wild. Yeah, you Zillow very briefly looking around when I was buying my house, and then we just walked by it one day. I'm like, oh, there we go. And we didn't even use Zillow. But the interesting thing with Zillow gone wild, like, like again, Instagram, lots of pictures. Okay. So just go ahead and click Okay, so through. this is from the UK, apparently. This first nice. one. Oh, it is very purple. So we got purple carpet, purple curtains. There's a lighter purple on the walls. Yeah, this, this living room is stylish, but purple yeah keep just scroll through oh, and pil- purple pillows on the on the black chair no the blacks are the black chairs are stylish the purple my sister when she was in high school would have loved this house she might <laughs> actually still love this house um you, which you couldn't tell from the outside the outside was just a regular white wait, but yeah. inside everything everything is, it is it is lav- yeah just versions of purple just yeah like the closet doors the bed covers like even the yeah it's just there's even purple tile in the in the um yeah i mean in the a, kitchen there's oh there's purple carpet on that bathtub on the, on the outside of the bathtub not the inside no not the inside but the outside but, the leading yeah i'm not sure what the idea with carpet on your bathtub no, is for but, but i could see i mean it is there is a certain amount of um continuity to the inside of the building indeed so okay yeah so that's purple if you like the color purple you're set yes yeah, so this Wait, one uh, i'm just showing you one picture from this house everything else in the house is fairly normal but this picture is kind of yeah okay so a sink and a stove, and then a toilet, and a shower, all in a row. It's the kitchen bathroom. The kitchen bathroom. Um, I like this comment here. How many codes does this break? <laughs> the the comments on on this Instagram account are wonderful. I mean, like if this was like a like a mobile home or like a like an RV. Yeah, but if you sense. if you scroll through the other picture, okay, so it, yeah, it's, a, a, it's a, a normal a, home. Otherwise, it, it, it's just it one of those a, like you get to that picture like. Wait a minute. What am I looking at? It has a swimming pool. I mean, and a, like a perfectly giant bed. Okay, yeah. What is? And it looks to me like this is like the one in this house that looks like maybe this room was unfurnished or un. Yeah, I feel like it's like the basement with the pool, but still just a little. It's weird. Much. It's a weird picture. Yes, so yeah, that's super. That's super strange. All right, so let's see what we have. A nice, nice kind of ranch style house. So yeah, normal one. Yeah, just go ahead and I'll let you scroll through these. Sometimes right. it's, it's the, the exploration okay. is fun. Seeing what where's the shoe gonna drop? Okay, empty room with a fireplace that looks good. Mm-hmm. Kind of kind of bare, bare. But you know that which is the, the, they're still on sound. the house. It's yeah. not too unusual. Yeah. You then wood floor wooden there. Wooden floor kind of sudden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. There's got. Okay, in the kitchen now. And wait, wait. <laughs> so this guy wait. apparently has some sort of ice cream bar in yeah, his there's kitchen. Like literally, like those steel things you find at a restaurant or like a buffet for like ice cream. Wow. Like all the you know all the toppings, the little things you dip out to dip. It's like, Chocolate sauce on on your yeah, ice like, cream or yeah, yo, you know, Froger sort mm-hmm. goat sort of yeah. thing, but like like legitimate like those look like the sort of things you'd have to ha- make like a a phosphate. Yeah, in your kitchen. Wow, it's that a, is... it's a fairly normal looking house otherwise. Keep going. Nice. Uh, oh, on the other side too, or is yeah. that from the other angle? Uh, I think it's from the. I'm but still, not, it's, it's, it's hard to tell how it's big still it giant is. though. It's yeah. still ridiculous. I mean, this is literally like like coffee shops have this or like ice cream. Like this mm-hmm. is legitimately. I need to show my wife that she would she would like to have that in our house, and the oh. pool garage. <laughs> there's yeah. a there's an out. I don't even know what to do with this. One. There's an outdoor pool that has a bend in it that goes into a garage. Into it, literally into the garage. I guess the idea is to make it heated for the 
Like, so, you can close it in the winter? I, I guess I, so. It's I, having an indoor-outdoor garage. It, it's literally a garage that they just convert into a pool entryway. Uh, it's like, we don't need a driveway. We'd rather have a pool right there. Wow. That, okay, of the three of them, I'm buying this one. <laughs> <laughs> Between the ice cream bar and the pool garage, right? Yes, and not the, the kitchen toilet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the next Whoa, one here. What is, what, what is this? Oh, I forgot to show you. The, okay, so okay. I, I forgot to scroll back to the beginning of this. So most of this house is fairly normal, although... The, this person apparently has a ridiculous number of pillows on, <laughs> pillows, like, on every piece like of furniture. Pillows. Lots of seating for like yeah. watching or, and like pillows. And then what is this? Then there's one room that this? seems to have shoes on all three or at least like three shoe sides boxes. Of it. It's like it's like the storage room for like a shoe store. Yeah, I mean, which I mean, I guess there's probably some reason why someone had this. I'm just not sure why you include this with your home listing. Yeah, there was literally like a hundred shoe or boxes. I'm assuming there's shoes in them. I would think so. Otherwise, why? It's not, I mean, the color code. I mean, it's literally like you bought like surplus off of Amazon and, or something. And to be transparent, this this site will sometimes include like mansions, like okay. like, and so you basically get to see how the, you know the upper crest. What kind of crazy decorations yeah. they have? But it's, this is not in the, a case of where like some millionaire has a closet full of shoes. But this is a relatively modest size house. It just has all the cardboard shoe boxes. So, so, in, uh, so my question stacks. is: Are there more shoes or more pillows in this house? <laughs> it's a toss up. It's to a toss up. There's an absurd amount of pillows. All right, let's let's go to the next one here. Okay, let's scroll I, through this. This yeah. one I think is one that starts off fairly so normal. Looks normal. Two story, two and a half. Some nice, 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 nice oldish house. Yeah, mm-hmm. nice bar, um, wood ceiling. Wood ceiling. Yeah, that's looking pretty good. I mean, the Ta- lower table is kind of weird, but not bad. Table right next to the bar. Okay, yeah. Pink countertop in the bathroom. Oldish sort of thing. Okay, the lights okay. on the stairs or yeah. not? I think they're on the stairs. It's hard to tell from that picture, yeah. but keep going. And <laughs> then we get into the bed. We get into the bedroom what? and. Uh, <laughs> There are mirrors all <laughs> over the place. Like literally, it's like a one of those triangle rooms where the roof meets. Uh-huh. But there's literally mirrors on every side, except for the windows, the skylights, the f- yeah, four yeah, skylights. Yeah. But that surrounding this bed. Uh, yeah, I'm. It, I guess it, if you really wanted to get a good look at what you were doing on the bed, I get. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just keep scrolling. Uh, and there's uh, a there's a hard in the floor, and then okay. the, the bathroom. I assume yeah. is a math master bathroom because it looks yeah. like it's on the same floor. Yeah. But it, it has carpet on the ceiling. Yeah. Why and, not? And I guess that's it's the kind weirdest of, thing I've seen today. It's a <laughs> it's a kind of a mauve carpet, or I don't know what you call it, maroon, whatever that color is. I guess is. so. But it's just why is it on the ceiling and the walls and the floor right next to the bathtub? Yeah, it's, just, yeah, it's someone was very particular. Yeah, yeah. So it's just interesting the choices people make. Yeah. Now this this the house to begin with is like a. Off angle pentagon. And look at the location of this particular. Oh, this one. is in Fort Wayne. Yeah, but this All is right. a, a Fort Wayne house, apparently. So let's scroll okay, through let's scroll and see on. what we got. Okay, we got the purple carpet again. The purple and carpet. Not everything is purple, just the carpet. In and, this and case. very uh, modern, sort of. Eh, modern in a 1960s well, kind okay, of way. I guess architecture. Not modern, but like, a, yeah, like got a avant cool, garde-ish. Yeah, kind of avant garde. It's yeah. got a cool wooden uh, spiral yeah, staircase. This, yeah, that's cool. I like the spiral staircase. They're the purple carpet. Yeah, purple carpet purple. all throughout this, this place, it would, it would seem. Then, uh, wait, except wait. that the kitchen's got kind of a teal. I can't tell if that's carpet or if that's uh, I tile. I think, it, I think it's carpet, which, yeah, which is weird to have carpet in the kitchen. But um, <laughs> wait, What am I looking at? This is the bathroom. Okay, it's uh, red carpet, but is that a red shag carpet, to be exact? <laughs> I, think I, I think that's the bathtub, yeah, kind of in the middle of the room. Okay, it's, it's a weird-looking bathtub, too. But. It's also kind of, that toilet in the corner looks like it's kind of tucked into the, like, right beside the, 
the, the dresser. cabinet, the dresser, yeah. and looks like you you like hit your head on the like yeah. the shelves right behind it. Yeah, and then so yeah, so yeah, this is a very seventies house. This is super seventies. I think I actually saw there was some article. This was passed around a lot, and apparently the couple who actually bought it, some couple from Orlando, Florida, they wound up doing like a seventies photo shoot in their that's, new house. That's great. So that's that's fun. That one you could yeah, you'd have to just go in with a certain mindset. Yeah, exactly. The interesting thing about the, a lot of these things, not just the fact that they exist, but the fact that can you imagine living in one of yeah. these places <laughs> okay so someone did oh, whoa what is this okay. like a, this, is surfboard. This, this is bizarre this is some los <laughs> angeles multi-million dollar house i just, I just gotta read the thing over here so that i honestly have no idea what's happening here <laughs> so yeah just keep 11 scrolling. million dollars yeah yeah okay, so, so this this looks like a some place that is meant to like host parties okay yeah something. there's a gi yeah, giant windows and giant tv and Cool game room uh, uh, with like poker tables and I'm, uh, it feels like I'm in a Bond movie at this point. Honestly, <laughs> there's the spiral graphs on the wall. Yeah, you know, and then whoa, like disco fever or like a well, I don't know, a disco laser tag. Like yeah, yeah, psychedelic. There's like planets and stuff on the walls. Yeah, and then and we, mm, this lounge room has is looks uh, um, like some sort of gym, not gemstones, like geodes. I geodes guess geodes or it's like you're in some sort of psychedelic cave. In yeah, some ways. yeah. Basically, keep yeah. going. Well, uh, it gets weirder and weirder. It's like it's like <laughs> this is the golden bathroom. Apparently, I, you, there's like a gold. I feel like some X Men came in here has like like changes things into mad. Like Midas <laughs> came in here and just like touched the entire bathroom or something. Uh, yeah. Gold on the walls, a that's, golden toilet. That, that's, yeah, I don't. Oh, there's the the psychedelic space party laser, room, laser tag room. Uh huh. Oh, oh, we've got like this Egyptian. Wow. Well, not tomb because there's like wooden floors, but, but there's definitely some like ancient looking I, I statues. I feel like this is not so much a home as the children's museum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally. I think you taught space in the one room, uh -huh. cave ge geology. Here's uh, here's Asian history. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what you do with this house except a I cool mean, pool, cool okay. pool. Yeah. yeah. So again, parties, but and that a shower? I guess. Uh, I think it's a shower. It's okay. got lots of black tile. Yeah, it's. It looks kind of like uh, a shower made by a Tron designer. Yes, I, I feel like children's museum. You just buy it, you don't even have to re renovate it. <laughs> I think that'd be great. All right, next one. Okay, normal looking house from out here. Okay, yeah. So normal got some brick. You got some regular it siding. It looks like, like it was built from various yeah. pieces, but just oh. Now the back side of this house though look is in a completely different style. Yes, that's the. I mean, I don't know. I don't know styles of house, but it's very angular, blocky, modern, windows, modern, yeah, you know, kind of style. So okay. the the insides of this one is not super unique. It's just mainly the the, the front and the back are like. Like polar opposites. It's like no, a bipolar house. The front looks like normal, like small town, small town Kenneville. Like, and, and the back is literally like you just transported. It's like you could put the two pictures side by side, and you would not know it's they're, the same they're in different universes. I mean, <laughs> one, I mean, one is suburbia, the other one is. I mean, like one you f you film like Leave It to Beaver, and the other one you film like an art teacher, uh, an art teacher, like or, yeah, or like that house that Incredibles Two is in, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Okay, so this one is just—I'm not. It's a little strange. Yeah, it's kind of—it's kind of a western-ish, yeah. giant, big giant semicircle window. Uh huh. Keep going. Okay, yep, yep. There we go. Lots of okay. Wood. Very, very. You feel like it's kind of very western. 
Uh, it, was this a restaurant? <laughs> Keep going. Okay. So we, we've got this bar area that suddenly we've got like it's, it's like a yeah, it's like kind of like a tiki room. Yeah, almost. I was going to say a tiki room. You got the the fire in the middle of the table as you're sitting. Okay. You get, get, get uh, like a thatched roof over the bar. I, I feel area. like we're like in Flintstones. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. Yeah, it is cool. I mean, super cool. But yeah, it definitely feels more restaurant than homey. Yeah, like, or or like Las Vegas, sort of like. Yeah, or something you'd see at Disney. Yeah. Like, there's even, is that like a little waterfall? It's not that lit. I mean, for a house, wow. Well, I like, Mom, can we go to Grown Rainforest Cafe? We have the Rainforest Cafe at home. <laughs> These comments are amazing. So, this is, I love what you find. <laughs> so, then this one is along the similar lines, but bigger. So, okay. keep going. This, like, this is definitely okay, there's in the mansion Buddha category. There. There's a Buddha. Oh, like the rock formation. Rock formation, like with uh, like grass and everything, mm-hmm. butterfly chairs. Chairs with like w- wooden chairs with butterflies See, carved into them. This place needed to just go on um, Airbnb. You could have made a million dollars just sell. Just seriously, actually, so the children's museum could have too. Actually, any of these, like people were just paid money just to stay there. They don't want to live there, the but they'll stay, stay at night. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like this, this is very like Fern Gully. Yeah, um, Fern Gully. I can see that. The, like like there, there's plants everywhere, so guys. The, like the literally, li- the living room is basically like the living room looks like you're outdoors in the Arizona or something. Like, there's even like the middle of the floor is like a rock, a rock river. bed. Yeah, yeah, like a dry riverbed. Uh, with okay. like leather couch. I don't live there, but I'd, small I'd stay here. Yeah, cool. Lots cool of life. life. Mm-hmm. I feel like one of these would show up in like a Mystery Theater movie. Honestly, <laughs> one of these. Mo- wow, vines growing up, and then on the outside they just look like windows. But on this side, there you can see they look like pillars. They do in between the. Yeah, okay, I'm kind of actually impressed with this one. Yeah, that's I kind of that's kind of cool. I don't know how comfy it would be to live in, but but yeah, it definitely has that Airbnb quality that you yes. Mentioned. Okay, let's okay, yeah, scroll through here. Sort of this is like some sort of ski movie sort of yeah. thing here. Lake Tahoe, there's snow on the outside. There are mannequins. Like yes, the five. Why would you picture? Wait, what? I yeah, mean, there's a bunch of yeah, ma- bunch of mannequins, female mannequins, yeah, dressed in party gowns, which reminds me of that 90% Invisible, where like that guy carried that mannequin around with him all the time. Oh yeah, that had yeah, yeah. had a. Following. Oh, there's more of them. Yeah, that, so just, previously you saw a lounge room that looks like the kitchen. There's so wait, do these come with the house? Is this just do? I don't. I'm not sure. Oh, actually. that one's scary. Okay. <laughs> It's like what, what every single room seems to have these mannequins in that. This is like a like some wax museum gone wrong. <laughs> I there, there's another living room with them. Well, there's just, they're multiple. It's like some horror. <laughs> like I'm as I'm crawling. It's like it's like I blink and there's more of them. Like from Doctor Who. Like they're just multiplying. Uh-huh. Oh, and then there's a bathroom with a nude yeah uh, there we go. statue of like, course. Ah, like even what in the world? And there's a there's the Virgin baby, Mary right in the middle of all these mannequins and baby dolls and ba- in the corner and one. Someone had some troubles. Yeah, okay. that's this is this is not a sort of place you should be buying from. I don't think. Wow. There's some weird things that happen in this house. That's that one's that one's weird. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. this one's this, fairly normal comparison. Like kind of a tinyish house. Kind of a tiny house. The description says is, this is a house from 1891 that With someone pa- has painted in pastels. Oh, and like very nice, like changing pastels. Like there's each yeah, shutter is like a different, slightly different color. The kitchen has a pink and white tile floor. This one also has some blue tiles in it. Yeah, a lot of the the stairs are pink, and the, it, but there's also some baby blue. I mean, in you there. like that? It's it's a very. It feels like it's like from some sort of like slightly off 
off movie, like a Stepford Wives sort of house almost. Kind of, like, yeah. It's, it's like this. It says this home was from 1891, but honestly, it looks to me like it was like painted in the 1920s and mm-hmm. then the, it was never repainted after. This top that. floor is actually kind of cool. A lot, lot of nice wood floors there. So, so it's yeah, it, it's it, a very interesting it, color very scheme unique, throughout. Like if you bought it, you'd be you'd almost hate to paint it. Not because you liked it, just because it's actually kind of well done if you like that much pastel. It it kind of looks like you're living in a dollhouse. In yes, some ways. It, it it really does. Yes. All right, so we'll, let's see what we have next here. This looks like a bank. Or <laughs> on the outside, yeah. I can't tell if this is a full-size home or an apartment, Whoa. but the inside oh, is like... Oh, yeah, this is like... how uh, I want to say it's like some sort of... Is this 1920s style? I don't know. It's, I think some people said it kind of looked like that, although other people said it looks like 1980s, but lots of tell. lots Very of pink and teal here. Pink and teal and like weird, like hotel carpeting. Yes, like some interesting like designs. Yeah. Like not the sort of, carpet designs are not the sort of thing you usually have in your house. It's usually yeah. like, yeah, hotel. Hotel or, hallways, but that's kind of what it feels like. And it's or very, someone said like 1986 movie theater. Yeah, because it doesn't, I mean, it feels like, whoa, yeah, and like, all the it's hard to explain like all the cabinets are like is that art deco sort of yeah it is kind of art deco actually yeah keep going there's there's one place that looks super art deco so there's, it's there's a bedroom with purple distinct, carpet but like the, here this part looks yeah we'll go back the art it looks like the sort of thing oh that's yeah front, the rocket oh it's rocketeer doesn't it it does yeah so yeah super art deco looking oh weird like, i don't know how you live there but it's yeah yeah, these places are fascinating. It just it does kind of like make you think. There's a whole lot more you could do with we, home decor. We really do, yeah. <laughs> like because it's not. I mean, the some is fancy, but some of the rooms were kind of normal. But they like made them not normal. Yeah. All right, so you can scroll through most of these okay. pretty quickly. This is a fairly normal okay, house. Okay, yeah, with you got floors. the fireplace and wood floors, and it's pretty stylish. And there's what? a there's a, a door that looks like a safe. It's a safe. It is literally a safe door, and then it has like you open that up, and there's, and there's like bars. Bars. And, and, and there's a little room inside. I'm not sure if this is actually a vault or if this house was, used to be a jail. It's a it's a little unclear to be honest. That's a little frightening, honestly. This house also kind of reminded me of your parents' house in this way that it's built kind of into the hill, yeah, so like built, you could like just walk on is, top of the is roof. Is this supposed to be a bunker or is it? I don't know. The fact that it has as a seal and bars, I don't know. I don't, that's. That's weird. Yeah, it's like you just start and it's normal, normal, normal. Like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's the scrolling through is sometimes is, is the fun part. Yeah, okay, scroll through this one. A little tiny little house, nicely decorated kitchen. There's a this one seems f- yeah. fairly. It looks like it was modeled very, fairly very recently. Very teal. Yeah, very teal. In the living room, but not, living room. not. You know, if you like it, still have the wood floors, which are very in vogue nowadays. Size fridge in the bathroom in the bedroom. Like completely, like you know, I hadn't even noticed that. That's, that's really funny. <laughs> it's like midnight snack. Yes, I'll bro- grab an entire pizza. <laughs> I could just reach out of my bed and grab it. I'm not sure that's a great way to set your fridge. Um, okay, bunk beds. What? What? <laughs> and here Wait, we have the most futuristic looking shower I've ever what? seen. It's like it's like a time machine. I mean, like there's the toilet, and in the middle is like literally came from like from the year three thousand, just popped in here. Like it's this like, thing looks bigger than the escape pod on the for Star Wars. Oh man, that is what in the world? It's got like lots of buttons. It's got uh, lots of different shower heads inside of it. It looks like there's a TV screen built into the side that of is it. A, that is, I can't. I feel like that's where you go if like you need to replace your skin. <laughs> <laughs> Like your batteries are running low, you're a humanoid robot, and you just need to completely remake your face. That's where you go. Wow. So yeah, that's that's that. That's place. something else. 
Scroll through these. Okay, I know so, what this is. Right. So re- relatively oh, very white clean, house. very clean, stylish, modern wood floors. Black, yeah, kind black, of all the stuff. Uh, <laughs> So there's an inflatable uh, <laughs> unicorn that's standing at the sink. At the sink here Why? in this picture. <laughs> keep going. It just keeps. What is what? Why? So okay, now we're back to our normal back kitchen. To... Normal. <laughs> now we have the, uni- the unicorn in the shower. The unicorn in the shower. That's amazing. I don't know why someone's like they will notice my house listing because we got this inflatable unicorn. Series so looking out uh, serenely out in the back porch. This is definitely uh, this is a trend on Zillow. Some of them will have like a cute dog, a cute puppy in each picture. There's another one where there's an inflatable. So do you think T-Rex. something like this is done just because they think it's fun? And in this get case, I'm sure it is. In this case, it's, that is, it's not like some of these other ones where it's like just unintentionally fascinating. Yeah, but this one, I think they that is that is a purposeful sales tactic. That is amazing. Okay, now this I love this series of pictures. So okay, okay so we have here a simple like one story <laughs> house in front yep. of a green lawn. Next one, oh, there's a looks like there's a lake behind it. So you got a nice and <laughs> lakeside nice view, side view. Next view, it's like oh, that, going that, up a little. More. That backyard, there's uh, the backyard is is kind of smaller than you thought. It's actually pretty close to the water, but then, <laughs> it's like a sinkhole happened outside. Yes, there's on the back side of this house is like a cliff <laughs> that's actually leading into the into the uh, the water. I'm not sure if this is by a lake or by uh, <laughs> like, it's like in Wisconsin, so it might be Lake Michigan. Like literally, the corner of the porch is a sheer drop. And it's like built on an angle, so like just the the one angle of the house is touching this this sheer but drop. But like they didn't put, they did bother to put a fence or anything. It's just oh, and then they pulled way out for like the Tony Stark picture of it, but it's not quite as cool. <laughs> and like there's no other houses there's anywhere no- near this thing. There's this one giant yard so kind of in f- to the front and the left. Then. Yeah, I would guess so. So if you don't mind the. The, it could be kind of cool, I guess, but like, yeah, that porch right there is only view of lake. Yeah, and then like inside. you would not want your your grandkids running around the backyard no. here; they're gonna fall into the sea. But if you like that sort of thing, yeah, yeah. the sequence of pictures the sequence there is, is like it's yeah, it wonderful. Like pulled out is like it's like a movie script. Slowly pan up as we see. <laughs> cliff well like the windows are just all over this thing okay well the the description says i think we found where vision is hiding <laughs> this is a re- wanda vision had just finished up okay before, so, so yeah there's a lot okay there's a white room the yeah, white room there's there's white furniture white, there's a white everything. desk there's a white yeah white well yeah it's very space age yeah, yeah th- it's, this is like very oh bare. Like, it's like prison toilet in white <laughs> pure metal and like is that a door to the shower but it looks like it's just a door to like out this airlock <laughs> it's um, hard to tell it's and, wow sterile so stainless steel white <laughs> stainless steel uh kitchen cabinets you know, some independent fair film, refrigerator some independent filmmakers like we must buy this house and film an entire series here <laughs> like uh, those spiral spiral staircases that's a wonky like it's a very wide spiral. Very wide. And pure all of metal, of course. And, and now they took the, the art picture. Like, we must take this picture of this. Everything spiral. everything in this what? house in so far world? is wait. white and metal. Wait, there are like three toilet. That's a weird I think comment. one of them is a bidet. Okay, but, oh, and then there's workout. And there's red. There are four, five red pillows. I feel like I have finally hit like the most relaxing area which is apparently the gym. Yeah, it, there's a nice couch and right next to the workout. So room. you work out he's like I'm done. <laughs> or you can watch someone else work out like haha, you have to exercise. <laughs> 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 wow, that is Yeah, you got to be like 
Hardcore minimalist to enjoy oh, that man. house. That's like I don't mind some minimalist, but that's like I want to live in like a dystopian novel. <laughs> oh, so, so this is a fairly normal house yeah, for then, most of it. But there's that thing that comes down from the ceiling. Sometimes. Yeah, there's a ladder that looks up, like it's, up to the attic. Like it, it's literally like in the middle of the sitting room, like the living room. Right. Like it's, see, let's see what's up well, there. Well, and suddenly we are having our fortunes read. <laughs> it's, um, it it is, looks like a Middle Eastern room with like tapestries, purple curtains, purple curtains all over the place. Uh, a zebra cuts carpet. Um, Weird. Or not zebra cut, zebra's pattern, I guess. So this and is like, one way like to do an attic. Furry, like a furry bean bag and wow. Yeah, so that's that's uh, that's pretty special. Neat little like Chinese lanterns, whatever yeah. they're called. So this this is a weird house. You go ahead and click, you'll see in the very next picture. Okay, okay so the lots of sports paraphernalia. Well, particularly the Oakland Raiders, who have a silver and black as their okay. theme. Yeah, lots of silver and black. The whole this whole house is silver and black. black. You got Someone, black carpet and a coffin. A coffin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> With a silvery cross on it, just sitting there. In the, I, in the I'm hoping that's decor. I, I don't know if I hope it's decoration or I hope it's. I guess I don't want someone to be like <laughs> have an actual coffin. Have in an house. actual coffin. The more the the Raiders memorabilia. The, it gets the, very kind of like upstairs bedroom. The the Adam railing family kind of the railings have kind of a spider webby thing. Like on like the, old school like gothic chandelier. Uh-huh. Weird black cross. Yeah, that's the, getting kind of. Wait, wait, what? Where are we? This is the basement, I think. Oh, okay. So, it looks like there's a monorail running through it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's just the, the cross beam. Oh, and the back says cemetery and crypt. And yeah, there's a cemetery and crypt in the backyard. So it's someone a, in a, the shed garage has yeah some like with like skull. Someone has two very distinct fascinations. Yes, the Raiders football team and um, Adams family like goth stuff, like some, uh, like outdoor bar area. Some people are are too into what they're into. <laughs> It is fascinating. Zillow gone wild. You could get lost in this Instagram wow. account just looking at the really interesting houses. And there's all kinds of other things. Like there's this one that's like super decorated for like University of Michigan people. I told Eric Murray that was his, uh, my brother-in-law. Man. I might have to go hunt this down. There, some people are just a little too into things. That's kind of nuts. Uh-huh. Wow. I'm not sure which of those was my favorite, but... <laughs> I might wind up cutting some of those out for now because I do want to go ahead, since I've been sitting on this other thing yes. for a while, I want to go ahead and cover it. I was trying to decide how to introduce this one to you, but I'll go the way to do it. It's kind of the 99PI way of like, here's an interesting situation. Now let's kind of explore the story behind it. So I'm going to show you a little bit about this one video store. I'm going to play some of the video here for you. The store that only stocks Jerry Maguire VHS <laughs> tapes. Uh, okay, here we go. So let's watch a little bit of this. So we are here in Echo Park. Los Angeles, California, here at the I Am 8-Bit Gallery for the opening of the Jerry Maguire Video Store. This is a dream come true. Uh, we've waited about eight years for this to happen. We never thought it would come to life, but here we are. It's kind of hard to believe, to be honest with you. But it's it's here. So we have a store here that's just stock full of exactly Jerry Maguire VHS. Well, perfect. Just VHSs? Not even DVDs? Just VHS tapes. So, you know, so, the Jerry Maguire movie, the one with Tom Cruise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out... Oh. Why? What is what is going on? Often here only in LA. Well, this next story might be only in Echo Park. It's about a video store that carries exactly one movie, which you can't even rent. So what's going on here? No, no. So the Jerry Maguire video store is just the announcement party, basically, for a much larger project, which is to build a pyramid in the desert where all the Jerry Maguires will live forever. <laughs> 
Oh, he's dropping off Jerry's. That's so nice, too. Well, thank you so much. That's wonderful. It's, you know, every Jerry counts. Welcome to the Jerry store. How many Jerry's have you guys donated? Technically on the leaderboard, we're like 435, but we've brought down at least like another 120. <laughs> wait, wait. These guys dressed in Jerry Maguire VHS tapes. So what is their obsession with Jerry Maguire? So, we are Everything is Terrible, and for about eight years, we've been collecting Jerry Maguire VHS tapes. <laughs> and we're just starting the final phase of that process. This is unbelievable. 14,000 Jerry Maguire's. Uh, most of these are from you guys, from fans, so thank you so much. Uh, building a, a pyramid made out of Jerry Maguire's is not cheap. If we all gave about $1,000 here tonight, this would be done tonight. It would be over. So, I wish that were a joke, but that's probably true. Okay, well, that so, is bizarre. so the video goes on from there. But so, yes, this is the product of a YouTube. Well, I guess they're a channel, but they're also a website comedies ish group. I'm not sure what you call them exactly, but it's called Everything is Terrible. And their style of comedy is something that like I I like the idea of, of what they do, but not necessarily how they do it. Mm-hmm. But they go to a lot of thrift stores and buy basically used VHS okay. tapes, DVDs, mm-hmm. and they'll put like clips of them online that tend to like kind of edit them psychedelically. Okay. And I kind of appreciate the, the finding just obscure, weird stuff. You yeah. know, that's kind of the mystery science theater kind of realm. Yeah. So, the way they they do it is in a very postmodernish kind of way okay. that I don't care for as much though. We're poking fun at everything. Everything. There's no meaning. There's no yeah. Except exactly. the laugh. Yeah. Except the laugh. Yeah. That, which is why I've never been a huge fan of this. But this project is quite entertaining. They did find in like going to a lot of these video thrift stores that Jerry Maguire is one that is a movie from the '90s. Yeah. That they found quite a lot of, <laughs> and so they started collecting them, and they started having other people donate copies. <laughs> of Jerry Maguire on VHS. <laughs> so they said they're in that video, they had like 14,000. I think their count is like up to like 30,000. This is 30, almost 30,000 Jerry Maguire's. And they, <sighs> they have this goal. And later on in that video, they go on to like talk with an actual architect of making this pyramid out well, in the desert just as a for, tribute. Just because, why the pyramid? I, because it's as a joke, but basically as a as a sacrament, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> but oh they, man, some guy has donated fourteen hundred Jerry Maguires. Yes, they actually have a, a leaderboard on their website that wow. shows Alex McNeely is moving the Jerry Maguires. Oh yeah, he is. He is way ahead of anyone else. The next closest person has donated only six hundred seventy-two. Like half, less so, than half. Yeah. So and there's this is a bit, pretty intensive leaderboard. There's like over. Well, if you had donated at least ten, you're 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 on it. Yeah. So there's like over 260 people have donated at least ten VHS copies of Jerry Shh. Maguire, and I'm not going to continue scrolling through this because at some point some of these pictures start getting kind of racy. But of fans with their donations, but that's, that's a lot of Jerry Maguires. So it's it is an interesting commentary. I feel like of consumerism <laughs> of. Uh, how many copies of a VHS? I mean, Jerry Maguire was a fairly popular movie in its day, of but copies. do that many people need to own a copy of Jerry Maguire on VHS? Wow. And those are just random. I mean, those are not, I, I'm not, sure not even heard of Jerry. I mean, heard of this, everything is terrible. So we got 30,000. Just from people who have donated them and found them at thrift stores. Well, yeah, and I guess, like that. you know, say there's 300 million people in America. Yeah. And so you're talking, you know, you're talking 0.01% or something of them mm-hmm. bought Jerry Maguire. 
apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, still, it's funny, wow. especially it, VHS is such an interesting medium to me in some ways because there's a certain amount of nostalgia for it, but at the same time, no one seriously considers it a format that's worth rewatching anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's so many better formats out there. I mean, people would rather watch the original film, honestly, for a movie they really like than watch the VHS. VHS did its work when it added its time, and now yeah. they're like, oh, we got better stuff. Yeah, it's not like like vinyl has a resurgence because there's a certain quality to it or mm. anything like that. It's it's a dead format in a lot of ways, but there's still a lot of it out there. Well, because it just it exploded. I mean, everything, mm-hmm. and it was before streaming, so you had to own a copy to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's something I've wow. been sending. So yeah, that, that video is from like 2017. So yeah, it's been, have they built the pyramid yet? They have not built the pyramid yet, but I did look and see they're still they're still promoting it. They're still they haven't given up on the dream. <laughs> the dream of the Jerry dream Maguire. of the Jerry Maguire pyramid. Oh, you had so. me a hello. <laughs> is that from that movie? Is it, I don't know. I, I'm I'm trying to remember. I think it might be. I think I, that was my hope. <laughs> I've never actually seen it. Oh really? Yeah. It, it's a very quotable movie. There's that. There's show me the money. Yeah. Okay. Show me the money. That's I know the other the big. Quote, yeah. That's the other big quote from that one. I think. But it's been a while since I've seen it. But it, it's it's an interesting, <laughs> interesting beast. It's a the internet shows you that it is a very fascinating world. It is. Those are completely worth the interwebs this time. <laughs> you have to um, make sure that I mean it's uh, Zillow gone wild. Uh-huh. For the listener and everythingisterrible.com. It looks like on the front page is the uh, pyramid, or is, is that not the front page? Uh, it's hard. Yeah, it's. I guess it is the front page. There's another big picture of their Jerry Maguire collection, wow. like stacks and stacks and a whole floor full of them. So if you are interested, those are your links, and we'll probably put them in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Awesome. Fabulous. And if you would like to give us some listener feedback, remember you can do that at derailedtrainsofthought.blogspot.com. You can uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at derailedtrains at gmail.com. So next time you can be, you can have your comment read on listener feedback. And again, if you have a topic you'd love us to tackle that we have not, we'll always take suggestions. It might be throw at the bottom of our list, but... <laughs> but we'd love to hear it. And yes. um, maybe it'll be sooner than that. It'll probably... Know. What, if you if someone suggested it, we'd tackle it pretty quick, actually. <laughs> yeah, most likely, unless it was... Yeah, most likely. Or like something like... I don't know anything about French romantic poetry. <laughs> pretty much. All right, for my soundtrack today, if it's okay if I jump into no, that... Go for it. I'm just going on a new face. <laughs> I decided my genre was going to be pirate metal. Pirate metal is... A good genre. Because, you know, pirate music has a distinctive flair to it, no matter whether you're doing it in a cinematics style, like a traditional folk, or if you throw it into a metal. Uh, There's something about the syncopation, I think, that just feels piratey. And this is a good example of that. It's called A Shark Hunter's Tale. It's a remix from the game Sea of Thieves, which is an Xbox Microsoft game, which is not a a console we tackle very often. Actually, I should say it's Xbox One, um, which is the third Xbox console. Of course. Xbox have a really dumb naming convention. But anyway, this remix is by Dusk, and it is a good rockin' with a little bit of folk sprinkled in, so I hope you enjoy it. And with that, we will steal a few things and get out of here our mission if we choose to accept it is to escape to escape (laughs) (laughs) let's do it all right all right you got your uh, grappling hook uh yes i have my grappling gun i have my face and i have my uh like my spider-man gloves awesome yeah we should be good to go all right let's get out here until next time everyone this has been nick and this is tim bye-bye bye-bye